Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. And I want to say welcome to the last Sunday of the year. It's hard to believe this is the last Sunday of 2021. And if you're here um, to hear, if you're here hearing those words this morning, that communicates a lot of things that we ought to take the time to be grateful for. 2020 and 2021 have been some interesting, unique years, and, and the fact that we're here on the last Sunday is a reminder of God's faithfulness, God's goodness. He's given you and I health to be here today. I know there are some that would like to be here in church, but their health doesn't permit it this morning for one reason or another, and, and our needs have been met. We, we are all uh, still here. We've had food to eat and clothes to wear, shelter, a place to sleep. And you obviously have some level of a desire to know God or to follow Him. That's why you came to church on a Sunday morning. These are all things that we ought to stop and be thankful for another year of God's goodness in our lives and of God's faithfulness and, and of God's grace. We have the freedom to gather uh, in America and the opportunity to gather freely and to worship freely here in our country. And, and uh, most of us have a copy of God's Word. If we don't have one, there is one that is in the pew rack in front of you and, and a full copy of God's Word in our language. And, and again, that's not something that every uh, people group in, in the world can say, that they have a full, entire, complete copy of God's Word in their language. And, and I just think it's good we say some of these things sometimes on weeks like Thanksgiving, but it's a good thing as we come to the close of a year, the final week of, of 2021, to stop and realize how good God is and how good He's been to us and His faithfulness for another year. And I pray that you've enjoyed a blessed Christmas season and that you enjoyed the love and maybe some gifts from family or friends this past week. I learned something that kind of hit me yesterday as we opened up presents and I watched our kids open up presents from one another. Uh, I learned something. The quality and, and level of gifts that a parent receives gets much better when your kids get their own jobs. I figured that out yesterday. And uh, man, I was, what, I was sitting there thinking, I told my kids actually, I said yesterday, I said, I really like having rich kids. And uh, they've got their own income, and if you look at their, their debt-to-income and income-to-expenses ratio, they are unbelievably rich. They have very little expenses, it's almost, they can spend like 100% of their income, it's almost all disposable. Hopefully not, hopefully they're saving some. But uh, I told them that yesterday, and I don't have to now act like I'm excited about some handwritten coupon that they'll wash the dishes. You ever get one of those? You, isn't that so cute, isn't it? But be honest, all right? Uh, be honest, one of my kids gave me yesterday uh, tickets to take me and him to a Clippers game. That's a better gift than washing the dishes, all right? And uh, oh, we got some Clippers fans in the house. Thankfully, didn't get me Lakers tickets. I got a few folks to be mad at me right there, but, uh, but, uh, but uh, my, my daughter, she got me. I haven't been, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, we've been here six years. I said, I haven't even been to a single game, Joe, at the, the pond. I haven't been to one game to see the Ducks play there. And uh, my daughter got me, they asked me, they kept asking, Dad, what do you want? Dad, what do you want? And I honestly, I said, I don't, I don't need anything. I have everything that I need. I'm not sure. They kept saying, what do you want? I said, something to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you guys. And so my daughter got me, we're going to go in a week or two to a Ducks game. 
same at the pond, and I'm thinking, these are better gifts. So to all of you with little kids, and they gave you the cute ornament that they made in class, and I know you treasure that, moms, but it gets better, all right? As the kids get older, the gifts get better, and you'll enjoy it. Hang in there, parents of young kids, and hopefully, how did your gift giving go? Did you get what you wanted? Few of you, I heard, I heard somebody say yes out there. Did you give those that you love what they wanted or needed? I heard a story about three brothers. These brothers grew up, they, uh, they started their careers, they did pretty well for themselves, and they left their home, and one Christmas they all got together, their elderly mom couldn't travel to be with them, and so they started talking about, you know how brothers can be a little competitive, what did you get mom, and what did you get mom, and, and one said, well, well, boys, you know I've done pretty well for myself, and I got mom a big house, I bought her a brand new house, that's a pretty good gift. And, uh, and the other one said, well, I got mom, uh, you, you know I've done pretty well for myself, I, I sent her a Mercedes with one of those big red bows like the commercial, you know, how they, how they do that, I sent her a Mercedes. And the third brother smiled and said, I've got you both beat. He said, you remember how mom always enjoyed reading the Bible? He said, and, and you know how she can't see very well, her eyesight isn't very good, she really can't read it any longer? He said, so I sent her a remarkable parrot that recites the entire Bible. He said, it took the elders of the church 12 years to train this parrot. I started this a long time ago, and all she has to do is she just says the reference, whatever book or chapter she wants to hear, and the parrot will read that chapter and that verse to her, and that's what I got, Mom. She's definitely going to like my gift better than a big house or a Mercedes. Sure enough, not long after that conversation between the brothers, Mom sent out her thank you notes. Dear Milton, she wrote the first son, the house you built is too big. I live in only one room, but I have to keep the whole house clean. Dear Gerald, she wrote to the other, I'm too old to travel, I stay home most of the time, so I rarely use the Mercedes. Dearest Donald, she wrote her, to her third son, you are the only son to have the good sense to know what your mom likes. The chicken you sent me was delicious. <laughs> so I'm not sure how your gift giving went. Hopefully you got your loved ones what they wanted. and. Uh, Hopefully they received it in the way that it was supposed to be received. I'm not sure. This morning in our last message in our Christmas series, we're going to look at the first ones to learn that Jesus had been born. We've been in this series, the characters of Christmas, and in our last message we'll see the first ones to learn that he'd been born. Those who would have been with him shortly after he was born, just a few hours after his birth, somewhat on a day like today, the day after Christmas, we might say. And we're going to see those that were there with Christ very soon after he was born. If you needed to make the most important announcement in history, in the history of mankind, who would you choose to use as your messenger, the means to get that announcement out? Who would you tell that announcement to so that you could spread the news? Remembering that in this time you wouldn't have the luxury of mass communication or social media technology that we can literally hear news that's happening halfway around the world in a moment's notice. It'll be buzzing on our phones if some major event happens. We don't have, in this time, we don't have that, that, that luxury. And so without that, what would you choose to get the most important news in the world out? Who would you choose to be the messengers? Who would you go to first? Maybe kings or royalty. Somebody really important, right? 
Or maybe you'd choose some high-ranking religious leaders to take it to their congregations, the pastors of the mega churches, maybe, those that had the largest congregations to get the word out as quickly as possible. We might find out who the most influential business people were or the kind of most important people in every city or village or town, maybe the well-known celebrities of the day. You know who you and I probably wouldn't choose? Lowly, despised, unknown agricultural workers who are isolated out in the wilderness. That seems like a really weird way to get the most important news in the world out. Let me choose some unappreciated, disrespected, despised agricultural workers who spend their entire lives by themselves out in the wilderness. That's who I'll go to. But I think as we've seen throughout our messages, there's really, that that seems a little strange to me, but there's really nothing normal about the the way that God came to save us and the the incarnation of Christ. There's really nothing normal about this whole story. And we're going to look this morning uh, in the Christmas story. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke in chapter number two. We're going to pick it up where we left off last week when we looked at the, the, mess, the, the verse where it says, because there was no room for them in the end. We're going to pick it up there, and we're going to look this morning. I want us to learn this morning some lessons from the shepherds. Lessons from the shepherds this morning. Those that God in His infinite wisdom chose to give the most important message in the history of mankind to. Luke in chapter number two, where we were last Sunday morning, verse number seven, the Bible says, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We saw that last week. Now let's pick it up in verse eight. And the Bible says, and there were in the same country, what, what were there in the same country church? What were there? Shepherds, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. We're going to see the rest of this passage here this morning, but as we study this passage, I want us to see some things about these unlikeliest of servants that God chose to be the first to know that Christ was born. I want you to ask yourselves as we look at some things about them and their lives in this passage, I want you to ask yourself if there's something you see in them that might apply to where you find yourself today. And what do we see about these shepherds? I want to give you a few thoughts this morning, and, and maybe there's one of these that will speak to where you're at and God will use to be a help and an encouragement to you. Some lessons from the shepherds. The messengers that were the first, the first other than Joseph and Mary, of course, the first humans on earth to know that the Messiah had been born. The Christ child was now robed in flesh, was here on earth, the first ones. And what we see in this first verse about uh, these shepherds, we're going to look at a few characteristics of them and learn some things from this passage. Number one, I suggest to you that they were hardworking men. You see it there in verse number eight, the Bible says in verse eight, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Finish this statement for me. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. That statement was probably never truer 
than when describing those that are listed in this passage here this morning, shepherds. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. That, not, not a more fitting phrase to describe those we're looking at today. We have this because of maybe our children's books and our beautiful carols and all of those things. We sometimes get this kind of romanticized, pretty picture of, of these cute, lovable sheep that are out frolicking in the fields, eating grass in a beautiful meadow somewhere, under the stars at night while they're pristine shepherds walked around with their staff taking selfies for their Instagram feed, and we have this idea of what it, what it means. In fact, for us, we use the term shepherd in positive ways. The Bible talks about the fact that a pastor, one of the biblical responsibilities of a pastor is to be a shepherd, to shepherd the flock of God. Now I am an under-shepherd, He is the great shepherd. You're not my people, you're God's people, but God has entrusted that spiritual responsibility to be an under-shepherd, and we view it in a positive light. Oh, a shepherd, a a pastor, maybe we might view it in a family or something as someone that shepherds or guides us. In this day and age, that is not how shepherds were viewed. They were lowly. They were dirty. They were smelly. They were constantly on guard for for attackers, for for animals that would come to try to steal the flock. The reality is that the life of the shepherd was almost anything but pretty and enjoyable. It was was dirty. There was unbearable heat and bitter cold. It was a a 24-hour-a-day, seven days a week, 365-days-a-year job. Sheep are dumb animals, and they would wander off and get stuck in cracks and ravines. That's why Jesus used the parable of leaving the 90 and 9 to go after the one that was lost. They would, get, they would go wander off. They would literally fall off of cliffs. This was not some, some job that everybody aspired to be. These men were unnoticed and unappreciated by most in society. In fact, they were required to tend their flocks outside of the city gates. Nobody wanted these, these sweaty, smelly men and their uncouth beasts around them in their daily lives. In Jerusalem, when people asked little kids when they were growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? No one said, I want to be a shepherd. Nobody majored in shepherding in college. Nobody got a shepherding. This was not an an occupation to aspire to. They did their jobs, their unenviable jobs in obscurity. But isn't it interesting? It was in the middle of their mess, in the middle of their obscurity, in the middle of their loneliness, in the middle of their pain that the God of the universe saw them right where they were, and He sent His angel to speak directly to them to tell them the greatest news ever told. They were ordinary, hardworking men just doing what they were supposed to do, and it was right there in the midst of their ordinary lives that God spoke to them and brought them the greatest news in the history of the world. It was in the middle of all of that that the God of the universe saw them, and He sent His angel to speak directly to them to tell them the greatest news ever told. And and by way of introduction, I would just stop and say, I think it's a great reminder to us to stay faithful to our purpose, whether noticed or unnoticed, whether we feel important or unimportant. God sees us. God knows where we're at. He has a plan for our lives. And a good reminder here in the midst of the greatest story ever told that God can use our ordinary as a part of His extraordinary plan. We love the extraordinary, don't we? We love the highlights. We love the mountain peaks. We love the the vacation or the big purchase or the—but do you know that most of life for all of us is made up of the ordinary? It's made up of the day-to-day. 
It's made up of the hard work. It's made up of getting up and, and spending some time with God and loving your family and, and, and working hard at whatever God's given you and coming home. And most of our lives are not days that we look back and say, I remember you know, January 18th, 1994. Most of us, if we were alive then, don't remember what happened there. I remember May 14th of, of 2016. Most of us don't really know. Probably our days are made up of the ordinary but a good reminder that God can use our faithfulness in the ordinary to use as a part of His extraordinary plan. God greatly, greatly uses those, and really um, most of the lives that God greatly uses are those that are just made up of faithfulness to the ordinary. I want you to look at verse number nine. So there were in the same country a shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo! Verse 9, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Put yourself here. And the glory of the Lord, I don't know what that looks like, but the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That's a pretty cool night. Night after night after night, you're sleeping on the hard, cold. We went to Arizona with our family uh, to see my brother-in-law who's a ch- and sister-in-law who are church planners in Arizona at Thanksgiving. And we were, we were coming, and uh, my brother-in-law Tim, he said, hey, what do you think about you and the boys? Uh, when you get here on Wednesday, we're driving over after our pie and praise service. What do you think about if we go camp one night out in the desert there, there's a beautiful spot? And I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do it. I forgot how fun that isn't, sleeping on the hard ground. And so the, the girls were all enjoying their hotel rooms and their master suites at the house, and they were all there. And us guys, and I'm pretty sure, I, I, I didn't have the call recorded, but I'm pretty sure when Tim asked me if we'd go camping, he promised an air mattress. Well, needless to say, I, I'm almost positive. He said, yeah, I've got an air mattress you can use. And I'm thinking, okay, I can make it. Whatever happened, an air mattress never materialized, all right? And so I'm sleeping on this hard ground. One night, I didn't enjoy it. This was their life. Sleeping in the cold, sleeping in the hot, thirsty and hungry, wandering from place to place, no appreciation, not, and this was their life. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of all of that, the angel of the Lord comes to them, and the glory of the Lord shines round about them. And, and you, this is pretty cool. Let's see what their response was. Verse number nine, and they were, what are the last two words of verse nine, church? They were what? They were what? They were excited out of their minds. They were thrilled what God was doing. They were sore afraid. I would suggest to you number two lessons from the shepherd. Number one, they were hardworking men in the ordinary, but number two, they were fearful men. It's true. The Bible tells us to fear not. In fact, the angel is going to tell them that in the very next verse. The very next thing he's going to say is, fear not. It's true. The, the angel tells them that, and God's Word tells us that. But it is also true that fear is a very natural reaction to some of the circumstances of life and to the workings of God in our lives at times. And sometimes I think, we think, well, I'm just not this great person of faith, so God can't use me. I, I sometimes get scared about what's next, and I don't know how God's working, and I don't know what that's going to look like, and I don't know what that's going to mean, so God can't use me. May I just say, do you know what we see? The only cons- constant thing we see throughout the entire Christmas story is every time God came to tell them that they were going to be a part of the birth of Christ, do you know what their response was every single time? Great fear. Mary feared, and, what her, she was, and the angel said, don't be troubled, fear not. Joseph, fear, fear not. Uh, the shepherds, fear, fear not. A great reminder for all of us that those that God used, sometimes we struggle with, with, with just, to be honest, trusting what He's doing. 
Fear does not disqualify you from being used mightily of God. An unwillingness to trust God in the midst of that fear may. The people that God used, and this is a good reminder in the Christmas story and all throughout Scripture, the people that God used were people just like you and me. That great military conqueror Gideon, he he conquered a whole army with 300 soldiers. You know what he did when God said, I've got something I want you to do? He ran and hid behind the wine press. David, that mighty warrior that killed Goliath. You know what David did when, when some enemies, King Saul, wanted him? You know what he did? He ran for his life multiple times. And Moses, that legendary leader that led millions out of, out of bondage in Egypt across the Red Sea and, and, in, and was going to lead them into the promised land of Canaan, that man that was mightily used of God, you know what he did when God said, I've got a plan for your life, Moses? You know what he did? But not me, God. There's no way you could use me. I stutter. He was scared. What, to think that God could use him because of some physical limitation. If you're scared about what God is doing in your life or what 2022 might hold and what it might look like, that's okay. Let the word of the Lord bring peace and purpose to your life and learn to rest in faith when your natural fear pops its head up in your life. It's okay to experience fear. It's natural. It's not okay to stay there. All of us at times are going, God, what are you doing? That scares me. I, that, that, that step of faith, that's what you want? How's that going to work out? God, I, I, don't, I don't see how this could be. And, and for them, they were sore afraid. They weren't just afraid. They were sore afraid. They were really scared. And God uses those who are faithful in the ordinary. God uses those who sometimes are scared of what he's doing in their lives. Number three, I see they were teachable men. They didn't stay there in that fear. Look at verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel said, hold on, I know you're scared. Don't run. Let let me finish. Let let me me tell you, let me tell you the whole story. I I know you're scared to death right now. I know you've never seen the glory of the Lord shining round about you. And and isn't it beautiful? Whatever it is, however that looks, I know you're scared. But listen, I've, I've got some more information for you. And they say, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. That Messiah that everybody, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, that everybody you know has been waiting for, you're the first ones to know it. He's here. God sent him. He's here. I know you're scared, but I, don't, 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 listen up, don't run. Listen up. I've got great news. In fact, it's the best news. And again, just a little reminder for us this morning, can God teach us anything? Can, can he change our heart attitude toward anything? I'm scared to death what you're doing. I don't know what this is all about, but I'm about to get out of here. I don't know for sure, but I kind of picture they were like, hey, do you see it? Do you see that? The shepherds are like talking to each other. What is going on? And then God says, hold on, let me change your course. Let me change your direction. Let me change your understanding. As you approach the new year of 2022 this week, it would be good for all of us to ask God in prayer as we go to his word, God, what are you trying to teach me this year? How are you trying to change me this year? What do you want me to do this year? Where do you want me to go this year? How do you want me to live this year? It's been said before, I've heard it said by, by a basketball coach friend of mine, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. 
Paul said it this way, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I haven't arrived where I'm supposed to be. I haven't accomplished all that I'm supposed to accomplish, but I'm shooting. I'm, I'm trying to let God mold me and shape me and guide me and propel me into who he wants me to be. I'm trying to become who God and to, to live a life that's pleasing to him, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. I, I, what is Paul saying? I haven't arrived. What does that take? That takes humility. I don't know it all. I don't know everything that needs to be known. I, I, haven't, I haven't accomplished everything I'm supposed to accomplish. Paul's saying, I haven't arrived. I heard one preacher say, if you think you've arrived, you probably ain't even left yet. For you and for me, can anybody teach us anything? Or do we know everything? I know what's best for my life, and I know what I'm supposed to do here, and I've, I've accomplished this, and I've, or can we stop and say, God, it's a little scary to reconsider some of that. I'm a, little, I'm a little afraid, but God, would you teach me? Would you show me, change me, guide me? God uses teachable men and women. Why? Because to be teachable is an evidence of humility, and the reality is God uses humble men and women. Number four, they were understanding men. And I don't mean this by, like sympathetic. I mean they understood some things about the symbolism of Christ's birth that may not be as evident to you and to me as we read this verse this morning. Would you read verse number 12 aloud with me? Luke chapter 2, verse number 12. Let's read that aloud. Ready? Begin. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in what? Swaddling clothes, lying in a what? Swaddling clothes. I read that. You know what I think it means? Okay, they got the onesie like we had for our kids at the hospital. They got some clothes. They got some cloths. They wrap them up in the little receiving blankets. My OCD, I'm going to try to put that somewhat center there. All right. The receiving blankets. That's how I read it. Lying in a what? Manger. I read it. Okay, so, and I understand it was a feeding trough, but it just, to me, it means there was no room in the inn, so they went there. These men understood some things naturally because of their occupation that you and I wouldn't have naturally or wouldn't naturally understand when we read that. These men understood some things about the picture, the symbolism of a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. How many babies have you, do you know of or have you ever met, uh, have you been around, uh, that were wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger? None. Anybody here ever, maybe other than at a Christmas play or some Christmas presentation at a church? None of us have ever seen that. When the shepherds heard there would be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, how many times had they experienced that? Hundreds, maybe thousands. Oh, not human babies. But you see, here's the thing about these men. While disrespected in society, there was one piece, one area where, where these men were, were respected and where they were given some special attention, and that was that these disrespected shepherds were given uh, by the priests, they would give them consecrated temple cloths to swaddle, swaddle the newborn lambs as they laid them in a manger to inspect them for blemishes. You see... Shepherds understood that every firstborn lamb was considered sacred. 
They would be set aside for sacrifice in Jerusalem at the annual religious holidays and ceremonies. They would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. So they had done this, what they heard the angel saying about baby Jesus, they had done that hundreds of times, wrapped a little baby lamb in swaddling cloths and lied them in a manger while they looked for any blemishes, and they would say, no, this one is worthy to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. They understood some things about that baby, one of the reasons maybe that, that God allowed and chose to bring the message first to shepherds before anyone else was because they understood some things about this picture that most of the rest of us wouldn't have understood. They were understanding men because they had wrapped many a firstborn male lamb in swaddling cloths and lied them, laid them in a manger. They had done it hundreds of times. There was something sacred about this picture, something when they heard that he's wrapped and they must have thought there must be something special about this sacrificial lamb that we are going to visit. This firstborn male lamb, the one that Jesus' cousin some 30 some years later, about 30 years later, what would he say? Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. John understood that he was that sacrificial lamb, but 30 years earlier I believe the shepherds understood it as well. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And as these simple, lowly, unknown shepherds came to inspect this little lamb, they found no blemish. They found no fault in him. Some of the least important people on earth were the first ones to find no fault in him. They found him worthy of all praise. We're going to see it in a minute. They, they begin to suddenly, the, the multitude of the heavenly host praises God, and the shepherds begin to praise God, and, and we're going to see that. And they found no fault in him, and some 33 years later, as our betrayed Messiah, that lamb would stand before Pilate, one of the most powerful men on earth. He would cry out, I find no fault in him. And may I say 2,000 years later, as I stand before you on the day after Christmas, I proclaim, I find no fault in him. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is that perfect sacrifice that the shepherds found in lay, lying in a manger there. He is the Prince of Peace. He is wonderful. He is Counselor. He is the Mighty God. He is our Messiah, our Savior, our friend. He is our sacrificial Lamb. And as King David penned so beautifully in Psalm 23, the Lord is our Shepherd. He came to be the sacrificial Lamb, but we also need a Shepherd. He came to be our shepherd. So David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then David says in that beautiful, beautiful psalm, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know that the sheep don't often get too scared when the shepherd's around. They can walk through the most dangerous things because they trust the strength and the knowledge and the wisdom of the shepherd. And David is saying, here in Luke 2, the angel is saying, we have the perfect sacrificial lamb that's come to earth. And in Psalm 23, David is saying, not only was he the lamb, but he is also our shepherd. And even though when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil if we know that he is with us. He is the lamb and he is the shepherd. These were understanding men. I believe they understood the symbolism and the picture of what the angel said. May I ask you this morning, do you understand who he is today? 
The only way that you and I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death And fear no evil as if we know that he is our shepherd, our savior. The only ones from this room or those that are watching online or may listen to this message later, the only ones who will make it to heaven are those who understand and personally accept the one who is lying in a manger. These shepherds had great understanding that almost everyone else on earth at the time would have missed in this beautiful symbolism. You and I need a shepherd, and who would have guessed that shepherds themselves would be the first to find out that our shepherd and our Lamb has come. Do you understand who He is? Is He your Savior? Do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? If you don't, the Lamb has come, and He wants to be your shepherd. Beautiful pictures and symbolism that the Bible gives us when speaking of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the, the, the number five. They were faith-filled men. Verse number 13 Continuing on as we finish up the story. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So they've told them there's a Savior here. They start praising God. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. So before we finish that verse, you've got to get the picture. They're sleeping there, normal night, sheep bang, whatever sheep do, and they're listening to the coyotes off in the distance, and and they're listening, and they're trying to get some rest, and all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes, and there's a heavenly host around them, and the sky lights up with praise, and and it's, they're, they're, they're praising God, glory to God in the highest, and just like that, they're gone. And we're back to, we like to sing about that silent night, we're back to a silent night. And now they have a choice. Are they going to believe what they've heard? And are they going to act on what they've heard? And are they going to let it change their lives and draw them closer to Christ? Or are they just going to keep going about their lives the way they were before they were confronted with the reality of Christ? Can I stop and say this morning, most of you have been in many services this month at Christmas here. Some of you are here for the first time. You've heard songs and you've heard the truth about the fact that Christ came to save you. And you know when when the sound system shuts off in a few moments and we leave our ways, we all have a choice. Are we going to let what we've heard change us in our relationship with Christ and draw us closer to Him? Or are we just going to keep going on about our lives in the same way we did before we walked in this morning? These men let their faith change them. They heard the Word of God. They believed the Word of God. And then we see they lived the Word of God. Finish it up, the the last half of verse 15. Look at what they said when the angels went away and they had a choice. Do I act on this faith and what I've heard? Do I act on the Word of the Lord or do I dismiss it and just keep running my shepherding business? Look at what they said. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. Let's not wait. Let's not justify why we can wait till tomorrow or the next week. I've got to get somebody to watch my sheep. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Verse 16, and they came with what church? They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. By the way, if God's Word says it, you're going to find it to be true. It didn't make any sense, but exactly what the Word of the Lord had told them was exactly what they found. You can count and trust in God's Word. They believed, and that belief led them to obedience. They obeyed. Somewhere along the last month or two, I preached a message that included this thought, but our beliefs always affect our behavior. 
we, you, I might tell you what I believe, but my life shows you what I really believe. I might say one thing, but the way that I live tells you something very different. Trust the way I live over what I say. They obeyed. They went with haste. They didn't stop to make excuses why it wasn't convenient to follow God's Word at that time. They just obeyed, and their faith brought them closer to Christ until they were face to face with the newborn Messiah. Is your faith bringing you closer to Christ? How different would our world be today if every Christian lived with the kind of faith that these men did, that if God's Word says it, I'll do it. No questions asked, no matter what it takes, no matter what it means, no matter what changes I have to make in my life, no matter where it takes me, no matter what it costs, God's plan supersedes mine. That is real faith, and that takes real faith. And these men had real faith in the Word of God, in the plan of God, and in the, 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 the Savior sent from God. Lastly, the last verse here, we'll look at verse number 17. Would you read verse number 17 aloud? Ready? Begin. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Number six, they were fruitful men. They couldn't keep it to themselves. Jesus had come. They knew something that would change everything, and they had to tell everybody that they could. They, they made known abroad, and by the way, most people normally didn't care what shepherds had to say, but they didn't care that they didn't care. They went telling everybody they could that Jesus had come. Can I ask you this morning? If that was their reaction to personally experiencing and personally interacting with and personally meeting the Christ child, that they went and made known abroad the things that they had heard and seen, why are we so comfortable keeping it to ourselves? Why are we so comfortable our, our Christian life consists of an hour or two in church on a Sunday? We, we sing some songs we enjoy, we, we, we talk to some people that we like, and then we're just comfortable just going and living our lives as if nothing ever changed. How is, that, how is that possible? Their response to meeting the Christ child was they had to tell everybody that they could. It impacted every moment of their lives from thereafter. Ultimately, these people that many viewed as having little to no value in society, they were used to become the first Christian missionaries, if you will. They were used to spread the good news that Christ had come. And, and I don't—sometimes we get the wrong idea, well, that's the pastor's job, and that's the assistant pastor's job, and that's the youth pastor's job. I don't care who you are or who I am or where we work, what our career is, what our age or stage in life is. God's plan is the same for us today that it was for the shepherds in this day. He wants everything about us to point as many people as we can to the good news that Christ has come. It wasn't about them lifting up their names. In fact, what's the names of the shepherds? Who knows any of their names? We don't know their names. It wasn't about their name. Their life was about pointing to His name, to tell everybody that Jesus was born. What about you? What about me? How are we doing in telling everyone we can that Jesus was born, that He died and that He rose again to save us from our sins? By the way, I would suggest to you that we actually have a better message than they had to share. You know what their message was? Christ has come. He's been born. And they went telling everybody, the Savior is born. I saw him with my own eyes. I saw the heavenly host. I saw the angel of the Lord. Their message was that Christ was born. What's, that was the good news that Christ was born. What's our message, church? 
that he was born, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again. We've got a better message than the shepherds, and yet so often if we're not careful, we take that little light of ours and we hide it under a bushel, and we don't tell anybody about it. They went abroad telling everybody that they could. They they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Shepherds, interesting group of characters included in the Christmas story, simple, despised, uneducated, dirty, lowly, shepherds, powerfully used at the heart of the Christmas story. As God's story for your life and for mine continues to unfold, what can we take from these simple shepherds into the coming year of 2022? They were faithful in the ordinary, hard workers. They were fearful at times, but they didn't stay there and let that fear cripple them from following God. They were teachable. They let God guide them through the unknown. They let His Word guide them through the unknown. They were understanding, learning more and more of who Christ was. They were filled with faith. Their faith led them to obedience, and they were fruitful. What will you and I do to share the good news that Christ is come? How will your life lead others to Him in the coming year? Some amazing lessons from these shepherds. I pray we'll take at least one of them to heart this morning and seek to do exactly what they did. Trust in our fear. It's okay to fear. Trust in our fear. Obey in our uncertainty. They didn't know what it was going to mean, but they said, let's go and act on what we've read in the Word, or what we've heard from the Word, but for us it would be what we read in the Word. Trust in our fear, obey in our uncertainty, and bear fruit for Christ, because He is worthy. That perfect, spotless, firstborn male lamb without blemish, lying in a manger. He was the lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. How will our lives point to him in the coming year? Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.